0: Welcome to the Biz and Tech Podcast. My name is Blake Dowling. We are here. It is 2022. You feeling good? I'm feeling good. We have my very special friend, Charlie Mars, in the house today. Charlie's playing a show in Tallahassee tonight, and uh, we look forward to having him out at Goodwood. For your cybersecurity tip today, saw this yesterday in the news, USB drives showing up on your doorstep. Looks like it's a gift card and a USB from Best Buy. It is not. It's loaded with malware. If you see this, toss it in the trash as it's someone trying to take your information and deploy malware in your network. That is your helpful cybersecurity tip from me, Blake Dowling, today. So thanks for tuning in. Charlie, my man, it's been a long time. How are you? I'm I'm having a good day. So you're having a rough week. You're spending the week 30A, another tour date in
1: St. Pete. You told me uh, what's that all about? well uh you know I'm a singer songwriter in twenty twenty two and so you're always you know and with all the the last couple of years have been kind of uh upended everything and so I've just kind of had to wing everything and i've just been i mean i'm I've been winging it my whole life, but I've definitely been having to wing it the last couple of weeks and the last two years extra winging it extra winging and so uh you know, whereas most of my life I've been playing clubs and cafes and opening for people on tours and just doing whatever I could to stay busy and, and make a living and all that. You know, most of the venues uh, shut down or if they didn't, people weren't really going out. So I had to kind of pivot. And right. um, for the last two years, a few I've done a lot more private parties and a lot more private events than i did previously i've always been doing those but it's been kind of uh, more prevalent in the last while and then you know once i've you know once covid got going and it, i kind of looked around and was like okay you know it's rough but you know it seems like life is going on and so i just was willing to do whatever to um to you know keep the lights on so Uh, I got offered to do just, for example, this past uh, Saturday, a a couple who'd had me play at their home before um, asked me to come to St. Petersburg and play with them and play for them. And uh, so I drove down there and they put me up in an Airbnb and I have a new dog that I got over the holidays. Awesome. My first dog since I was a teenager. And so that's been, you know, I felt like I'm not getting any younger. I love dogs. I've never had my own. I'll just figure it out. Well, yeah, I've been figuring it out. <laughs> it's like having a kid, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you're, everything's about, you know, keeping them on a schedule and getting them to sleep and feeding them. And so it's been good for me. I've had more responsibility. But I've been having, like, being a touring musician and navigating getting a dog to be situated is a lot. And so uh, there's been, he stayed in the kennel for the first time. And that, I, right. f- I had that typical, like, I don't want to leave him. He's going to be miserable. And then I picked him up and he was, like, happy as heck. So that was all good. Um, so And then I drove back to St. Petersburg. I mean, from St. Petersburg to Seaside where I'm playing a songwriter festival this weekend. Mm-hmm. And then the, I'm playing here tonight in Tallahassee for you. And so uh, the people that gave me a condo for the songwriter festival don't want a dog in there, Oops. which I don't really blame them. You know, if I had a condo, I wouldn't want somebody's like mangy dog or he's not mangy, but I wouldn't want it. Not all, it, not it, all it, dogs are created it, could, or
0: cleaned equally.
1: Yeah. So I don't really blame them. But at the same time, I'm kind of like fit winging that. And um, so I've kind of got it figured out. And then I'm playing, I think it's probably my eighth or ninth year to play at the A Songwriters Festival, which I love to do. Mm-hmm. And um, now I'm here in Tallahassee. So, yeah. And I've And I've been, you know, Tallahassee, I first started playing in the late 90s. And then as my life, my music life progressed, there were, certain, you know, like when I was starting out, especially when you were my tour manager, uh I was playing a lot of college towns and it was wild and you Pop know, bellies. Yeah, pop bellies. Still and, open. What's the name of that other place that was kind of like low, like a basement kind of like you walked in and it went Floyd's. Floyd's. Not open. That place was interesting. Very interesting. And so those and then uh a lot of wild, very wild Tallahassee was very uh wild in the late nineties, at least the times that I had here. And um, so, I, but but as time has gone on, I play less college towns and more like, you know, places that I have grown an audience that has sort of stood the test of time. And sure. I know, like, when I go to Atlanta, it's going to be a good crowd. I'm going to have a good night. And so, sort of, some of the places have fallen by the wayside. That like that's not really the case. Mm-hmm. And then some places I've been going to my entire music life um, because the the older you get. When you go play somewhere where it's not full, you start going like, "What am I doing with my life?" Like, there's <laughs> no one here. I'm staying in the Hampton Inn. I should have done things differently. But when it's full, you kind of, you you kind of live in off that. Uh, it's like, oh, everything I did was it meant something, and this was good. So I, I, I'm much more sensitive to the to the crappy nights, and so I really try to avoid them. And so I, I, there's places that I play, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just not going to come here anymore because there's nobody here, and I don't want to feel this pain. And- uh, I've had
0: that feeling with uh, this is a good segue to uh, when we first met. But I did a Proud Larry show with you uh, years ago, and it's packed. And so I went back there with another band uh, a few years later. I'm just thinking this is an artist-friendly town. That was a Charlie Mars-friendly town. There was four people in the audience, and they all worked there. So we had one of those nights, so I hear you, man. And four
1: people's fine when you're 20, <laughs> but, but when your friends have careers and they're like, oh, we're going to the Bahamas for Christmas, and I'm like, I might have should have maybe done something different here. I didn't really plan on like two decades later what I was going to do. I always was mo- mostly looking two weeks in advance, mm-hmm. and now here I am two decades later, so yeah uh it's always an adventure i still love it and uh you never really know what how you're gonna keep making it but then i just started to trust the process because i've made it for a long time so right. I just kind of roll with it well anytime uh, i start a new year you know, have my whiteboard out in
0: my office and I'm mapping out what kind of projects we're working in IT. It's the same feeling, man. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. Uh, Starting over, cranking it up again. And that what the hell am I doing moment Oh, I get that every January. Oh, okay, Um, good.
1: I I thought it was just me, but maybe maybe every... (laughs) I do tend to uh, be a little bit uh, living in my own world, so I'm glad to know that everyone is uh, suffering along with me. Hey, we're having our therapy
0: moment, too, because I was feeling that just last week. I caught frickin' COVID, and I was feeling down, reading a book. I'm like, this sucks. You know, we all get that feeling, but... Until you can
1: speak it out loud and share it, you know, you don't know about that commonality. Well, I mostly pretend everything's okay, <laughs> but it's hard when there's four people at the bar oh, and you're the main act and you're like, everything's not okay. I'm going to pretend that it is for you four people, but then I'm going to go back and sulk at the Hampton Inn. And that band, they
0: uh, they they started playing covers at the end of the set to entertain the bar staff mm-hmm. and they killed it with Sweet Caroline. So okay. that was nice. Well, there you go. All right. So 1998. I finished the University of Florida. Uh, my friends, like you were saying, they're uh, you know, they're getting real jobs, and I had no interest in a uh, a real job at that point in my life. And um, a guy named Rodney Stammel introduced me to Rich Walsh, who introduced me to you. And you, uh, within about five minutes, said, "I think this will work." And uh, I went on the road with Charlie as his tour manager for that year. We toured the entire South, some of the Northeast, and we had an absolute ball, man. I was trying to think of some of my favorite instances from that time nashville was always fun atlanta was always fun mississippi was always fun but man it was uh, such a crash course not only in the music business but in life uh we were both what 21 22 somewhere in there during that time we were both uh, coming out of uh, ato life in our prospective college towns Uh, charlie went to smu i went to the university of florida i was a frat boy I was a frat boy and I didn't dress frat boy. I had my snakeskin boots back then and ripped jeans. I think that helped bridge the gap uh when we first met. I got made
1: fun of a lot in my frat because I was different, but because I could play guitar, they were kind of like, "Okay, he can hang around, you know." That the guitar will get you being able to play and sing will kind of get you get you through a lot of uh crowds that may otherwise be like, "You know what? What's this guy doing here?" So, yeah, that <laughs> I happened. had I had a similar experience being social chairman
0: of the fraternity Mm -hmm. because I could dress like a fruitcake, but it didn't really matter because I invited the girls, and I provided the alcohol, and I booked the talent. So not much has changed. (laughs) It's good stuff. All right, so what do you remember about those days? 98,
1: we toured. uh, Remember when we opened for the outfield in Mobile? That was cool. I do vaguely remember that. Okay, well, first of all, I was thinking on the drive over here, like, I mean, when I got out of college, I basically just continued my college life. There wasn't some moment where I was like, you know, I really got to clean up my act and get it together. (laughs) It was more like, sweet, no more class. Now I really don't have to keep it together as long as I can perform, and so like everything just sort of started at a peak, you know, and then it was like a kind of a slow collapse Mm -hmm. for about two years. Uh, I so I got in a motorcycle accident at one point, I and then that. I got on some uh, prescription pills. Mm-hmm. And so everything is a little hazy. There are some specifics that I do remember. <laughs> right. But a lot of it for me was kind of hazy. So maybe you can fill me in on some of the things that I did. <laughs> well, let's see. Uh- <laughs> we got uh, we got tattoos one afternoon. Blake and I got tattoos together from a guy who was he looked re- remotely reputable. He was very interesting, and I then wasn't it the same day we re- wound up at the Claremont Lounge? Was that the, or was that just a different day? I can't remember. That was the same day. The, it was kind uh, of a lost weekend we had together, Joe Bob. Briggs, whatever that character's name was. He
0: was on TNT at the time. He was out with some people. Uh, uh, Butch Walker was with us. Super producer Butch Walker. Colonel Bruce Hampton, for anyone following the jam band scene. Quite a legend there. We checked all the boxes on that day, man. So
1: basically, here's how it went. We would go on tour all week, and then on Sunday, we would get back. And then on Sunday nights at Smith's Old Bar in Atlanta was like... It was like like uh, locals night or whatever. And all the musicians and all the staff from everywhere would go to Smith's Old Bar. Because that was our Friday night. And Blake lived across from Smith's Old Bar. Walking and, distance, at, yes. Walking distance. And he had a loft bedroom. Yeah. that would, Did someone was always gone or it was vacant? What was the deal? It's, you know, it's a little fuzzy, but I believe the
0: young lady that lived up there got tired of living with me, um, as you can imagine. Uh, And then another guy moved in from California, and he was a little uh, traveling something. So, yeah, it was pretty much your spare room.
1: Yeah, it was kind of my spare room. And then rather than go home where I lived, I would go party all night at Smith's Old Bar. And then Blake and I would get back to the house at like... Four in the morning, and we would watch Tombstone together on the couch, and then we were we would we we would quote it, a uh, pretty much line by line. That is after required a, a about, certain period of time.
0: And my roommate that did live there really enjoyed that. About five a.m. the. Uh Charlie's down by the water, walking, walking on
1: water. I messed up the
0: quote. Uh, but yeah, we did a we did good back then. It was a good I movie. remember
1: one night, I didn't even make it to your house, and I had a van, and I crawled in the back of the van. Well, prior to that, I had blacked out, and then the staff wrote stuff all over my face, you know, like just embarrassing things. They scribbled all over my they face. They were very hands-on at Smith. And then I went to the car and passed out, and then the car got towed. And so I woke up, first thing, last thing I remember was being at the bar. Next thing, I'm in a parking lot with like a thousand other cars in the van, in the back, don't know how I got there or why I'm there. But they're trying to tow you while you're in it, right? Oh, they did tow me. They towed me from, from Smith's Old Bar to this lot outside of Atlanta. <laughs> so so then I realized that I have a key to the, to the van so I, I climb in the front seat with this writing all over my face, and I look in the mirror, and I realize that I have— th- I'm not going to repeat what they wrote, but it was not very friendly. I, I recall and, it, baby. And then, I mean, I'll admit, I was not the easiest person to deal with at the time, so I don't hold any grudges. But uh, I got in the car and then drove the car to a gate— and then told the guy, like, I'm supposed to be uh, delivering this vehicle. And he was, like, he's like, he was looking at me like, with the writing on your face? Like, <laughs> what? And then he opened this gate, and I drove out and drove home. And you're coming from the wrong side of the gate. You're not supposed to be coming from the inside. So this all is just another weekend in the life of Charlie Mars and Blake Dowling on the road together, prior to us being uh, more law-abiding citizens. Indeed. I remember Don and uh, a couple of the staff members at Smith's.
0: When they we'd walk in, whether it was two in the morning or two in the afternoon, they'd give us that look
1: like, "Oh, here they come!" But man, those are some good people and some great times. And I've been I've been sober from alcohol for twenty two years. Congratulations! So you were around there. You were right there at the at the peak of the. Uh, of the uh, what is this uh, the rock and roll life for me I didn't I didn't really have the constitution to make it I wasn't a lifer for the party but I've been a lifer for the craft excellent yeah Well let's talk about your craft okay. uh, I put together an article.
0: For the Tallahassee Democrat, about um, some of the tours and some of the experiences you've been on. Oh, you you've, did. You've had a lot of successes uh, over the years. I really enjoyed your story on stage. Last time I saw you perform was uh, Fifth and Thomas here in Tallahassee, I okay. believe, or maybe it was 38 Songwriters. Uh-huh. I don't remember which, which year was which. Yeah. Um,
1: I have not been sober for 22 years, so um, okay, things are still a little fuzzy sometimes. Yeah, well, some of us are better at handling their liquor than others. You're, you must be doing okay if you've made it this long. I'm trying to trying to minimize, minimize, and uh, live a little of a healthy
0: lifestyle okay. as much as possible. But anyway, I remember you told this story, and um, it freaking cracked me up. It was uh, it was a Jimmy Buffett story, mm-hmm. and uh, about maybe you being invited to be in his Broadway musical. Is that accurate? What went down there?
1: Uh, well, I uh, knew his niece. Okay. Um, she's from New Orleans. She was dating a friend of mine. And then uh, I guess they were talking and she told him about me. And then he went and listened to a bunch of my music because he was looking for potential people to play the lead role in his broadway musical or in his musical escape to margaritaville okay and so i was down at the beach on in on highway 30a on just writing songs and i got a voicemail from i saw a call from palm beach florida which i didn't recognize the number so i usually don't answer and i got a voicemail which i still have so it was Jimmy Buffett, and he said, um, so "It's not his agent. It's, no, it was it's him. JB himself. Yeah." And then he That's said, slick. "He said that he had a proposition for me, and that he'd been listening to my music and to call him on his French phone because he was going to be in Tahiti for two weeks." <laughs> and I, Tough life. And I remember thinking, "I hope this leads to me making a lot of money, and I would like to have a French phone myself." And so I called him back, and he um, told me about this musical that he was doing. And then, of course, I was like, yeah, that sounds cool, you know, especially at the time I was – like it sounded to me like maybe I would get to be in one place for a while, and that sounded good. And so – and I liked – Jimmy Buffett was my first concert I ever saw with Jimmy Buffett, Clint Black, and Little Feet at the Mobile – uh, stadium there was a stadium in mobile that and i they saw. don't they don't do lineups like that anymore man that and is so, freaking gold i know and so uh he said look i'm playing in birmingham i think it was like in a week or something i don't remember exactly but why don't you come over and 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 meet me and i had actually met him once before in palm beach florida with a friend of mine who's a restaurateur there and I remember uh, my friend wanted him to come and meet me because we're both from Mississippi. Sure. And he, I remember he said, so, he walked at the table, he said, so I'm from Mississippi, you're from Mississippi, <laughs> what else you got? And I was like, okay, all right, we're going to do some... Um, smack talking so we did we had fun and then i don't know if he remembered meeting me then or not but this was a, 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 a few years later that he had called me so right. knowing him he probably did remember but um so i went to birmingham to oak oak mountain we met at some restaurant and then he we were, i was supposed to just have lunch with him and he said do you want to come to the show and i said yes jimmy buffett that sounds good and then And then he said, well, we were in the limo or whatever it was, like a SUV thing. He said, do you want to sit in with the band? And I said, yes, (laughs) I would like that. And then he said, do you know changes in latitudes? And I said, everybody knows changes in latitudes, Jimmy Buffett. And so when we got to the venue, I got in on the YouTube on my phone in the bathroom and then learned changes in latitudes from some kid on YouTube (laughs) because I had basically acted like I knew it already. And so then I had it down, you know, and so I was kind of like hanging with the crew and all this stuff. And then someone came and said, Hey, Jimmy wants to see you. Jimmy wants to see you. So I go in there and he's waking up from a little pre-show nap and he said, let's play through changes in latitudes. And so we're playing it. Everything's good. And then he stopped singing and he's looking at me and he says, sing it. And I I was like, well, you said play it. (laughs) And, and he goes, well, yeah, but I said, look, I got it. Let's just get out there and do it. And he was kind of like, okay. And then, then all of a sudden they were like, Jimmy, you're up. And so he just kind of rolled out and I was like, oh. So I get back on the YouTube in the bathroom and learn the lyrics to the to the song, which took me like forever because it was a lot of, he was on stage. I felt nervous. There was like 30,000 people at this thing or whatever. That yeah, in Pelham is big. huge. Yeah, yeah, big. That's a little room. So I'm about to have to walk out there and do this whole thing. And I feel like this is kind of like a prequel to my audition. You know, like if I do good, I might get the Broadway part and I'll like know where my life is headed. And then I won't have to play these coffee shops so much or whatever. Right. So I get out there and of course I get out there and there's a huge prompter right at my feet with all the lyrics on it for him (laughs) that had every lyric. And so I felt like I kinda of, I felt like I crushed it. I felt like I did good and my buddy like high fived me afterwards and I'm thinking, I'm gonna get this Broadway part, it's gonna be amazing. So then like two weeks after that, I go to New York City. Oh, oh in between that and going to New York, I decided that I needed to look the part, right, so I decided to go to Florida and get a tan, hang out on the beach, you know shirt, this was my straw excuse hat. my excuse for going to the beach, okay, so I roll up in New York where it 's like un- i 'm unseasonably tan let 's put it that way like I look like 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 Donald Trump, I was freaking orange and <laughs> <laughs> and uh I get in there and they're all like whoa like this guy's tan and Then I played three songs and that went well, but then I had to act out two scenes, uh, uh, Broadway style, you know, acting, which I have zero experience doing. Lots of hand moving, just like it. And it was kind of, I mean, no, no, no fault here, but it was, it was a little bit cringy. Like it was this romantic scene where this guy's like trying to talk this girl into joining him on an island and in living on island time. And she's like, works in Manhattan and she's like, you're. You know, it, it, the whole thing was just a little bit, like, a little unrealistic. It's and got so, a cult
0: vibe, too. And so, uh I
1: had, I didn't, I, I didn't, I wasn't, I don't think I was that great at that part. And so, I did not get the part. Mm-hmm. Uh Some Broadway, like, experienced Broadway actor who'd done, like, a bunch of Broadway got it, which it makes sense. And then... He was probably less tan. Yeah, he was way less tan. <laughs> no one beat me on the tan. I got the tan on the tan. So, then... uh During uh, COVID, I was going through my voicemails, you know, because I was like like I wasn't going to get super organized, you know, During COVID, I think everyone was like, "I'm going to clean out the house." I cleaned out everything. Yeah, I'm going to get the shed, the closet organized. I painted everything. So I was deleting stuff on the couch. Like that was my version of like a lazy man's getting organized, digitally organized. Yeah, digitally. And so, (laughs) then I ran across the voicemail again, and I was reminded that I wanted a French phone, and I wrote a song for my new album called "My Tahitian Phone," that is about the whole thing. About uh, the first line says. Oh, Jimmy, give me some of that money. <laughs> Come on, man, you're almost a billionaire. Break me off a little bit of that stash, and I'll write it in a song, and you can call me on my Tahitian phone. That's awesome. So the whole thing was about, like, Jimmy, give me some of your cash, and I can have a Tahitian phone, too. So basically out of the whole thing, I got this one song called My Tahitian Phone. And, a, and a good story.
0: That's wicked, man. So there's
1: my Jimmy Buffett story.
0: All right, so let's uh let's stay along that same vibe. Okay. Proudest moment of your career. We've talked about touring. I didn't mention you toured with R.E.M., you've toured with the Dixie Chicks, you've written some killer songs, you played in some of the coolest venues in the country, you've played with some awesome musicians over the years. Mm-hmm. But what's that moment? What's that proud moment? If you could if you could name one. That's a tough question. What you got?
1: Well, I mean, there's the big ticket stuff, and I can give you a couple of those, but really my proudest moments are when I can tell that the song that I wrote affected someone's life in a really meaningful way, whether they um, were going through a hard time with a loved one or lost someone, or they were getting married and wanted me to play at their wedding, like These are the, these are the, and I have a lot of those. Or um, like in St. Petersburg, I played for a couple where the husband has uh, cancer and I'm one of their favorite artists and they wanted, and he's going to have a surgery. In fact, he's already gone to have it. And so, you know, they're, they're, they're being able to judge people's lives on a really personal level where there's not a bunch of accolades or trophies or money involved or where you're just doing it and you're, 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 you touch people. And when I write the songs, that's where they come from is a a place where I'm touched. And so that would be the first and foremost. That's why I really do it. Those are the things I remember. But then probably I got to tour with R.E.M. Uh, on their one of their last North American tours. And that they were kind of my childhood heroes. And I played on stage with them every night. That was a big thing. That's my wife's favorite band. And then... Have you um, ever seen their four-hour freaking MTV VH1 special that goes
0: into so much detail about the career? It's really cool if you haven't seen it. I have. Oh, I've have? seen
1: all the R.E.M. stuff. And then... Um, on the first Dixie Chicks tour, I guess they're that's just the Chicks now, but then they were the Dixie Chicks. That I, uh, It was their first North American tour since all the Iraq stuff. And when they had kind of gotten, they were like the first people that got canceled, right? Right. And so uh, that was stadiums, and I was solo acoustic. And it was the first time I realized that, like, in Canada, people show up early. And they're very respectful and quiet. Unlike an American audience where people kind of milling in and you know, everybody's finding their seats for the opening act and beers. In Canada they're there and you can hear a pin drop. And so I tell a lot of stories and I and and, and the stories I realized like all of a sudden fifty thousand people started laughing. And so it doesn't really matter if it's a coffee shop or a stadium, if you have an audience's attention and you got a good you got a good story, it can work. And so some of the energy those nights were incredible, and then I mean I've played with, I've played on stage with Willie Nelson and Steve Earle, and done tours with Citizen Cope and Katie Tunstall and Tedeschi Trucks Band and Chris Christopherson and. How's Derek as a guitar player live? Amazing. So I've just gotten so many of those things, and some of these beautiful theaters and. Huge audiences that I've never been able to draw, but got to kind of uh, piggyback on. That was those were cool times, but but uh, and then just hearing my song on the radio somewhere, or you know, uh, the, I, I've had a million like some song on a TV show or movie, and you're like in the movie theater and you hear your song, and it kind of all makes it right, right. worthwhile. So, but I guess the one moment would be like I started with just just like being grounded and realizing that you really touched somebody's life that's more than any of the of the like big stuff yeah your song silver buttons that's the name right that's the song yeah yeah that one
0: always got me man that was uh, it reminded me of the journey whether it was from middle school to college and professional life that was a special tune Mm -hmm. nice work so along those same lines you mentioned a lot of cool entertainers a lot of cool people yeah uh who's your fave celeb you've met out there on your journey my favorite. And you can only name one. My favorite. Celeb. And it can't be Jimmy Buffett.
1: Okay, my f- <laughs> my favorite celeb that I've met on my journey. Oh my gosh, I've met so many. And you've dated a celebrity too. This um, is true. That's probably not going to be your answer since it's an ex, right? You don't want You can't. That's not. That can't be your favorite. You can't really. You can't. You can't use your ex girlfriend as your favorite. But uh, she is one of my favorites. Um. And Charlie I,
0: dated the uh, young lady on the show
1: Weeds. Um, Julia is that her name? Mary Louise Parker. I wasn't even close. We don't have to dwell on that. So uh, I don't even, I would have to say it's probably Steve Earle. Steve Earle. He's a mess and he's got, he's just a big, but he, when I lived in New York City, I spent a lot of time with him. We did a lot of fun things. He's such a character. He's a great storyteller. He has He's got more stories than anybody I've ever been around. Him and probably I really uh, liked John Malkovich. He was uh, making a movie called Red with um, and Bruce Willis too. I met, I got that's a good movie. Uh, Red. So my girlfriend was in Red, so I was just hanging out on the set that's a lot. Right, she was, and that. so uh, Bruce Willis. They did two of them, and so I met Bruce Willis and John Malkovich and hung out with them a lot. And they were fun. We had, me and Bris Willis had some funny, funny times. <laughs> so yeah, I've had a, what a I a what forget about those things, but yeah, that happened. Those are awesome answers. Mm-hmm. Rock solid. So um,
0: you mentioned a couple obstacles. You mis- mentioned a couple of successes. What's the biggest obstacle you've overcome
1: in your life? The biggest obstacle I've overcome in my life, just probably my own selfish nature, learning how to care more about others and do more for others and be more mindful of other people's struggle and not so uh, concerned about my own. I think when you're young and you're starting out in rock and roll, you know, you're just trying to make it, and it's just kind of like you just think that, like, how do do, do I unscrew a light bulb? I hold the light bulb and let the rest of the world revolve around me. Right. And, and so now I think that it's just more—it's more meaningful. Uh, but I think overcoming that in all of its various forms, whether it was alcoholism or whatever thing you do that's just kind of like makes you feel good and it's kind of selfish. Just moving through all that stuff and getting to the light, and getting getting towards a more just giving. Loving, honest, willing to go through the pain to get to the good stuff kind of place. I think that's still probably my thing that's hardest to overcome. And it's the thing that I have and proudest of overcoming a lot in that area. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah.
0: Producer Josh and I have been doing this show for like three years now. And I think that's the most sincere answer to that question. We always put that question in. Mm. Thank you for that. Yeah. So, we're getting near close time today. Let's talk artists okay. that inspired you to get started. I just read a book, um not the Lemmy book that I'm giving you, but another book called uh, Nothing But a Good Time. Uh <laughs> guess what that's about? It's about 80s metal. My stepdaughter uh-huh. gave it to me. Okay. It talks of uh, it's it's really interesting. I'll give you that one too. It's uh instead of like being story driven, it's basically here's a topic, the rainbow, uh-huh. and 20 people's opinion of the rainbow okay so like skid row atlantic records jason flom boom go and like producers comments radio comments it's Mm -hmm. really interesting but the drive and you mentioned you know the willingness to work you know all these bands when 89 hit 91 and glam metal went out the door you know these guys are we willing to work or not you know rats like yeah we're gonna keep working skid row kept working and still working yeah today um then I'm not trying to gear you to say Motley Crue your favorite band because we used to watch, along with Tombstone, a lot of Motley Crue videos in the mm. day. <laughs> <laughs> you made me watch a lot
1: of Motley Crue videos.
0: But uh, what artists inspired you? Because uh, not just you know as a fan of a band's growing up, but what bands inspired you to make this your craft, to make this your trade? Who's on that top of that list?
1: Well, to make it my lifestyle... I would be remiss to if I didn't say that, like, when I was a teenager, a young, like like a little kid, you know, and MTV videos were popping, and I would sit in front of the TV in my little town where I lived in Mississippi... And I would just watch like Poison videos and Motley Crue videos. And I would think, I want to do this. I want to do what these guys are doing. I want to be on stage and be playing guitar and have girls everywhere and be on a tour bus. Like this seems way more kick-ass than what I'm doing here in my town in like the middle of nowhere. And that's Laurel, Mississippi, correct? Yeah. And so... You know, I always kind of had that, like, I want to party kind of thing. But then when, it, when I got a little older and it became like a craft thing and I thought, okay, well, how am I going to do this? It was definitely like classic singer-songwriters like Neil Young and Jackson Brown. I would say probably those two are the biggest. Um, I just loved acoustic guitar and I loved uh, good songs. And so I always wanted to do that. And so I didn't really, like, lean into the, like, heavy metal or all the stuff that I had been, sort of the energy of it I liked. And I liked it. seemed fun. Um, But when it came to, like, actually doing it, I kind of was more classic. And I think, you know, I'd like to think that that's sort of timeless. And so, you know, I'm not, like, teasing my hair and, like, putting, like, uh, like black uh, stripes under my eyes and having to go to some, like like a legacy concert with a bunch of like boomers, you know, I feel like I still get to kind of like do something that's still meaningful. No, no, no sliding on those guys You're who not are knocking working. Nikki, are you? I mean, I'm knocking <laughs> them a little bit. It's a little bit. I mean, it's. A, I think. I think when it comes to that stuff, it's a kind of a young man's game. Like nobody wants to watch a bloated, obese boomer like singing "Girls, Girls, Girls." But I mean, you might, but most people don't.
0: As Rachel said in Skid Row, at the end of the book, he goes, "Listen, man, I'm <laughs> 62 years old." And I sing Youth Gone Wild every night. He's like, I'm a living freaking character of a joke, but it's what I do and I love it. And I yeah. was like, you know what? He owns it. At least yeah. he's that. Nikki Six, I don't think, owns it. But uh,
1: Yeah. So uh, there you go. All right. Those are my, those are, and then I'd have to include uh, my, Frank Sinatra, he Was one of my all time favorites. And he was such a classic. And when I was a kid, my family would listen to him in the holidays. So that, that's kind of where, 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 where I'm coming from. All right. Awesome.
0: Charlie, great to have you on the show today. Where can people learn more about Charlie
1: Mars? What's your web address? Um, I have kind of a janky website. It's It has like t-shirts and CDs if you want to order stuff, which that's always good when people do. And Heck then I yeah. have Instagram, which is Charlie Mars with three S's at the end of it. And then I have Facebook. um so if you want like big brother knowing everything you do then just follow me on facebook and um and your dog and my dog kudzu which is he's just kind of on my instagram i don't i don't i think i think it's kind of cringe to have your your dog have his separate instagram so i haven't do you do you do that uh well actually it's for my wife and i's cat Oh, your wife and your So cat. we definitely have our own. Okay. Peter the Destroyer. Maybe I should do Kudzu the Corso, but... <laughs> well, it's got to be funny. Peter the Destroyer. He Peter destroys is, shit. That's the, the, the whole story. Peter good. Okay, so uh, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Yeah. All
0: right, tonight, Goodwood, Charlie Warnes will be playing. Uh, 30A Songwriters Festival. Charlie will be playing. Thanks for tuning in today to the Biz and Tech Podcast. Biz. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Charlie. Good to see you, brother. Thanks, Blake.